an educator, you want what's best for your students. You want them to succeed academically and emotionally. But how do you do it? We actually hit it. Simply ask the question, what is it that we want for our learners? You know, the amount of time they physically sit in a seat doesn't determine whether or not they've learned something. We just kind of took genius hour and put it on steroids. 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 From creative instructional practices to school models and ideas big and small, Reimagining Time is a podcast that will tell the stories of real educators like you and how they've used their imagination to transform their schools and enrich students' lives. In this episode, we're going to hear Brian Stack and Jonathan Vanderels talk further about competency-based education, more specifically how professional learning communities, or PLCs, and flexible learning time are key to the success of students in this program. In fact, the three things are so intertwined that they're almost reliant on each other, and they all center around how a school views time. In a competency-based model, Time is not a constant, it's a variable. First off, how does a professional learning community, or PLC, fit within a school that is working towards a competency model? At Jonathan Vanderell's school, their PLC work is actually what led them to competency-based education. Our experience, we have found that the uh, professional learning community model fits very well. In fact, when we started our, our, our change process in our schools, it really wasn't, uh, we didn't set out to become a competency-based learning environment. We actually hit it, simply asked the question, uh, building vision, mission, et cetera, what is it that we want for our learners? And we started to build that from there. And we felt like the um, professional, professional learning community model really fit with that. How so? What really is a PLC? Is it just another school staff meeting? Not quite. John explains the principles that guide what a PLC does, and it turns out these principles are extremely compatible with competency ed. And so if you look at the four questions of a professional learning community, they really tie very well into competency education. And in fact, competency education became the logical next step for us um, as we were deepening our work within our schools. So the first question is really a curriculum question. What is it we want students to learn? And that question is specific to the competencies that we identify both within um, uh, courses and within specific grade levels, if that's what we have, uh, that students must demonstrate their mastery of. Let's pause there and rewind for a second. What is a competency again? So standards represent the what, competencies represent the why. The number one question that guides a PLC is, what is it that we want students to learn? Identifying those competencies answers the question. The second question is really around assessment. So you can see how it ties into the uh, tenet of competency education specific to assessment. Uh, how will we know if each student has learned it? Well, we, we know by developing meaningful assessments that truly uh, require students to demonstrate competency. The first two questions of a PLC help teams in a school identify what is essential for students to know and how to assess what they have learned. Question three is how will we respond when they don't know it? And question four is how will we respond if they already know it? Now note how this all ties in with flex time, a flexible period of time scheduled into the school day for students to get extra support or enrichment. And then questions three and four really are what tie into this flex time. 
So what we recognized in our schools is that we had um, really two cohorts of students who weren't making progress, uh, the progress that we would expect. One was our at-risk students. So uh, the at-risk students in our school were struggling and maybe plateauing to a degree. So the data that we have, were collecting indicated that they uh, really were at a standstill in their learning and that wasn't okay to us. So we knew that we needed to provide um, kind of a tiered model of support for those students to ensure that they're receiving the support and intervention that they would need to ultimately be successful. Uh, which leads into question uh, number four as well. The other cohort in our schools that really wasn't making the progress that uh, we would expect was the students who were actually above grade level. So students uh, weren't being challenged to the degree that they should have been. Is this a familiar scenario in your school? Most content that students learn is aimed at sort of the middle. It's more generalized with the aim that the majority of students will get it. But is the majority really good enough? And do they really get it? Competency-based education leaves no room for mostly understanding material, as Brian and John discussed in our last episode. And when you tie that in with the PLC, you're going through a process to make sure all students are getting what they need. The struggling kids, but the ones who have already mastered the material as well. When learning is based on seat time, kids move on regardless of whether or not they're ready. And even if they know what they're being taught, they're stuck in place. This is where carving some flexible time out into the schedule can really come in handy and can seriously enhance a school's efforts to move to competency-based education. So in a competency model, it's really all about where a student is within their learning progression. So questions three and four in a uh, model that has time for both intervention and extension um, really meets the needs of a professional learning community and a competency-based learning system because uh, it's all about where each individual student is at within a learning progression and most importantly, how we allow them um, and provide them with the supports to move forward within that learning progression. You could almost take these models and create a Venn diagram, one circle being competency-based education and one being PLCs. Where they overlap in the middle is flex time. Because really, giving students those targeted supports and interventions that John was talking about is key to their learning success, and it's going to look different for every student. So this will affect how time is structured during the school day. There will need to be time to give students the help they need, but also time for teams to collaborate and figure out how to do it. Brian explains how this differs from a traditional school model. So, you know, in a competency-based system, a lot of things get flipped on their head because instead of having a lot of independent contractor teachers working with groups of students for set periods of time, now you're talking about bringing teams of teachers together to make decisions together. They might be instructing together, providing interventions and other extensions and other supports together. Um, they're monitoring growth of students together and suddenly, your school looks very different, right? So uh, in a competency-based system, there are definitely support structures that need to be in place to help kids to be successful, right? And, and some of those I've already mentioned, right? So scheduling is gonna become a very important factor to consider, um, as are maximizing your resources and making sure you're making the best use of 
people's time so that you can match them with the right kids. All of this comes together to create a system of interventions and extensions. Again, emphasis on time for interventions and extensions. It all starts within the PLC process, teams working together to make decisions and create support and interventions for kids. Then there needs to be time within the school day for these supports to take place. But when it comes to scheduling, how do you manage all of this? Why is a flexible time period so important? So it's the million dollar question, right? Where to get where to flex schedules fit into all of this work? So I will tell you, putting my Sanborn hat on for just a minute as a school principal that was doing competency-based work for quite some time, we figured out really early on that we needed a flexible period in our day to be able to provide those supports. It was actually started that it was a team that figured it out, and then it became a school-wide thing right away. A daily flex period is a solution a lot of schools use to provide interventions, extensions, and enrichment. What does this look like in a school's bell schedule? We have a pretty traditional bell schedule in the sense that we have periods just like other schools have periods. Our kids are assigned periods one through eight. They go to classes from 844 to 924 or 1206 to 106, and they're assigned to a teacher. And we have this time in the early in the day here that's our focused learning time, which is our flexible period. This is this is the magic period. We have our kids signing up to go to different places or teachers signing them up to be in different places because we recognize that in a competency-based model, time is not a constant, it's a variable. Some kids need more time and some kids need less time. The fact of the matter is, in our system, you don't get credit for a course until you've demonstrated a level of understanding in each of those skills and competencies for that course. So if you need more time, for reteaching or intervention or enrichment, there has to be a way to provide that. The flex time is perfect for us. So even if your school does have a more traditional school schedule, this doesn't mean you have to rely on a traditional learning model. A flex period can be built in to reteach, provide interventions, or even opportunities to extend or enrich learning. And you can have more than just one. Some schools have two, three, potentially more. If you're really aiming for flexibility and allowing students to move at their own pace, it could be something to consider. We're actually toying with the idea now at our school of having two different flex periods because the need seems to be increasing. And I would envision down the road, you know, the further we go into our competency-based model, the more flexibility we want. I mean, we could conceivably reach a point where all of our periods are flex periods. The school day doesn't have to be how it always was. Within your school's PLC, your teams can identify students' needs and brainstorm what will work for your school. But how do you convince people that this is a good idea? It's hard to change the way things have always been done. Here's what Brian does. So I, I always go right back to this definition of competency education. I'll, I'll talk to any educator anywhere, have them read these five bullets and say, is there anything there you disagree with? And I have yet to find an educator that fundamentally disagrees with these bullets. And then I say to them, well, in order to get there and do it well, we may have to let go 
of some things that we've been doing for a long time because they just don't fit or they're holding us back from being able to do this. And that's usually the entry point. And then the question becomes, can they actually let go of some of those things, right? And that, you know, some are easily able, some things it's easier to let go than others, but um, I will tell you that the longer you work in this kind of a model, the more you start to feel uncomfortable about the thought that you may ever have to go back. Yeah, I actually asked our staff that um, because we were struggling, I'll be perfectly honest. Change, as we know, is can be difficult and things have, have been done uh, a certain way for a very long time. And we were about well, five months in and we had hit uh, what we knew we were going to hit, implementation dip. And as a staff, we were kind of talking about that. And uh, I asked, simply asked, can we go back to doing things the way we did them before, knowing what we know now? And every person in that room said no. Without a doubt, this work has led to a deeper level of student learning, one that ensures mastery and prepares kids for the future. But that doesn't mean that making these kinds of school-wide changes is easy. Things can get messy. What if you just don't know how to keep going? Let's close out with some words from John. As he puts it, keep that North Star. Remember why you're doing what you're doing. It's for your students. We didn't know how we were going to move forward, but we knew we needed to. So um, it's important to kind of recognize the challenge, but also to, uh, in the messiness, uh, but also to kind of keep that North Star uh, front and center. That's it for this week's episode of Reimagining Time. This podcast is brought to you by Enriching Students, a tool that helps teachers give students what they really need, time. Our intro track, Rough Cut, is by the artist Tripwire. And we want to say thank you to all of the educators who shared their ideas and stories with us. Look for new episodes of Reimagining Time on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. <laughs>